you're feeling you're micromanaged, you owe it to yourself and your boss to figure out why do you feel that way? Is it real or not real? And to what extent is it? And then what are some things that you're not being micromanaged on? And I guarantee you, there's so many things you're not being micromanaged on until you take time to realize that you just take that one or two examples and you throw the blanket over the whole environment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. On October 28th and 29th, Quint Studer will provide a keynote and join me for a conversation at our Destination High Performance Conference. He's joined me on several podcast episodes leading up to the events. So I hope you're able to attend our virtual conference on October 28th and 29th. Quint joins us again today to talk about a word that gets thrown around a lot in the workplace, micromanagement. We tend to throw around this word in various ways. And in this episode, Quinn and I explore the good and the bad of micromanagement and why sometimes it's even necessary. So, Quint, welcome back to our show today. So glad to have you with us and uh, so glad we're going to focus on the topic of micromanaging very timely. So when people use the word micromanage, you know, what do you think they mean, Quint? (laughs) Well, this is, again, me. This is my personal opinion, but I think it's been well tested for about three decades of doing this. I think when people hear the word micromanage, they think it's a bad thing. They think it's somebody not trusting them. It's somebody looking over their shoulder, somebody sort of dictating decision-making or dictating processes. And it's sort of interesting because, you know, people don't like to be micromanaged Because if somebody's supervising me tightly, I'm being micromanaged. But when I'm doing it to other people, it's not micromanaged. So so I've always tried to put it in perspective is you can't generalize the word micromanagement. You've got to slice and dice it a little bit. So so for example, and and Jan, I used to hear that all the time. They'd say, I'm being micromanaged. And I say, well, can you be a little more specific? And I say, tell me what you do. And they tell me. Then I'd say, well, um, are you being micromanaged? No, I'm not being micromanaged in this. No, I'm not being micromanaged in this. So I, I find that people generalize and they might be micromanaged in one area, which isn't bad, but then they think it's all areas. So an example I use, an analogy I use is you want to micromanage someone till you know they can have the skills and the tools and the techniques to be successful. So for example, Do you want your doctor that might operate on you to be micromanaged during their residency? Or you just want them to say, here's a scalpel, go to it. I don't want to micromanage you. You want people to be micromanaged until they demonstrate they have the skill set to be successful. I always use a, a child on a bike. You know, when we put a child on a bike, we put training wheels on them. We run with them. We micromanage the heck out of that child bike ride. Why? Because we want them to be healthy. We want them to be safe. Even a child will sometimes say, let me go, let me go, but you don't because you know it's going to be. Now, you'll let them go and there might be a fall or a bump, but we micromanage normally people because we care enough about them. We want them to be successful. 
So I think you have to explain it though. And I think where supervisors or principals or anyone like that misses it is to explain, here's where I'm gonna manage you very tightly. Here's where I'm gonna supervise you very closely. And here's why, but here's where I'm not. And that, that's why Janet, you know, when I worked with student group, we'd have a supervisory and an employee write down what they were doing and then they'd make it numbers. You know, a one met, go ahead, just go do it. A two met, hey, do it, but tell me how it's going so I can learn. And the three means, I don't want you to do this unless we discussed it and I've said, okay. So I think you gotta have a, a discussion of why you're micromanaging, where you're not micromanaging, and then you have a thing of when you'll stop micromanaging and that's when a person shows they're proficient enough to do it without the close supervision. Yeah. So part of that micromanaging then is like what you're talking about. I think I hear Quinn is that leader to individual micromanaging and kind of when you need to coach and when you need to provide the guidance to them more specifically. You know, sometimes people will look, let's say at an executive leader, um, maybe that senior leader and just say things like, you know, gosh, that person always micromanages, right? They don't let us do what we need to do or they, you know, have our hands tied. Have you ever come up with a situation where people have told you that and you provided advice to them? All the time. And I, I love this. Like, you know, this is sort of a, such a neat topic because I don't think I've ever been interviewed on this topic yet when I do my seminars over the years, it would always would be come up as a question after day one to answer day two. So my fault for never digging deeper into it. Um, yeah, and I'm going to go on both sides of this. Again, working with 13 executives of an organization, and they all knew me from sort of coming to seminars, reading my books. And one of them came up to me and said, thank gosh you're here. Corporate micromanages us. And then school district would be like central office micromanages us all the time. If you could tell them to back off a little bit, it would be great. Well, then I talked to another guy and I went up to him. I've known him for a while. And I said, you know, how do you like working here? He goes, I love it. They sort of give you goals and leave you alone. Now, these are two individuals comparing, it's like two principals. One saying he's being micromanaged by central office and one saying, I love this place because they give you goals and leave you alone. So we happen to be having lunch with the executives. So, and we happen to be having lunch with what you would call like the C-suite or the superintendent, director of instruction and so on. And I didn't tell them the conversation. I just said, hey, I ran into this person. They said, gosh, we have such problems with him achieving his goals. <laughs> now, then I said, well, and I ran into this person. They said, he's great. My gosh, he's always achieving his outcomes. So I went back after lunch and I said, I've done a little bit of analysis of this micromanaging. There's a correlation between achieving results and micromanaging. Those that achieve results have less micromanaging and those that are not achieving outcomes have more micromanaging. So an example with student family companies, we do an employee engagement survey and we did a pulse survey, which you do them you know, in between the big ones. And we did it because we had a few areas that we were concerned about. Now, the manager of one of those areas, we micromanaged her on how to round, how to fill out a rounding log, and how to communicate that to her employees. Now, out of 40 managers, she's the only one we micromanaged that close. Why? Because we want her to be successful. And once she did it, she saw she was doing it. So I think there's a generality. Now, let's go the other way. 
let's go to the person that feels they're being micromanaged. Have they ever had that conversation with their supervisor? The answer is they've had that conversation with their family. They've had that conversation with their peers. The only person they've really never had it with is the person they should be having it with, which is their boss. So I think that's where you have to go and say, hey, Dr. Pilcher, do you have a few minutes? Um, One of the things I feel is I'm feeling like I'm being micromanaged. And I'm wondering, is that because you don't trust me? Is that because you don't think I have the skill set? But let's talk about that because I want to understand it a little bit better. And my goal is to get to the point where you don't feel you have to so closely supervise me in the future. And I want to earn that. So let's talk about what? Now, Dr. Pilcher, you would probably say, well, Quint, tell me, give me a few examples where you feel like you're being micromanaged. I will guarantee for all those principals and superintendents and directors of instruction out there, there'll be a lot less examples than they think there are. Because they're going to make one or two things and they're going to make a, I'm being micromanaged. No, you might be being micromanaged in this because you know what? We've got to cut hundreds of thousands of dollars out of the budget because of what's been going on with taxes and COVID. And so, of course, we're going to micromanage that for this time period. So it could be we're micromanaging because the external environment. It could be we're micromanaging because of the internal environment that meets the external environment. Or sometimes a leader could over micromanage, particularly in education, because in education, we start off as teachers. Right. And and we start off as teachers. And I always thought my department head used to treat me like one of the kids. You know, I'd I'd come in and say, ooh, look, Mr. Studer, I love your tie today. And it's like, what am I in third grade here? And and, (laughs) and so so I, I think it's real common in education because we sort of micromanage our students a little bit until they prove they can do it. And, yeah. and so it's easy to get into adult-child relationships instead of adult-adult. So if you're feeling you're micromanaged, you owe it to yourself and your boss to figure out why do you feel that way? Is it real or not real? And to what extent is it? And then what are some things that you're not being micromanaged on? And I guarantee you, there's so many things you're not being micromanaged on until you take time to realize that you just take that one or two examples and you throw the blanket over the whole environment. Yeah, that's a really good point. One thing you just said a few minutes ago is really focusing on either internal or external environment. And the external environment right now has just multiple layers of influencing factors that are forcing executives to make decisions, right? Just different decisions. Can you talk a little bit about it? And this is not a, I don't think an easy question to answer, Quint. So I'm curious to what you think, but you know, what I'm finding is that executives are having to make decisions quicker, you know, faster. They can't quite get as much input. And there's and there are important decisions that are, are impacting the bottom line of the organization. And so, you know, so the so there may be this sense from employees that they're not going through some chains of command for input to make those decisions. And so this kind of micromanaging generic term that you're talking about gets placed on that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. It's called, you know, there's pre and post. So for example, there are times when you've got to make tough decisions quickly, particularly when it comes to finance or safety. You, you've got, I mean, what's the number one thing in everybody's mind right now? Safety. So you probably don't have a chance to test drive plastic shields. You probably don't have a time to pet test drive 
clean equipment. You probably don't have a time to test drive and we're finding this happens. Maybe the virtual learning platform you're gonna use. You, you wish you had more time than you had. So I think there's two things and I think we can get a win for this. And I, I just talked to a, an executive on this whole topic because his employee engagement survey came back and he had spent all these years building an emotional bank account that basically yeah. went bankrupt during COVID-19. <laughs> And, and, I, and I said, well, I think this is where you meet with the people and, and you have a chance to win it back. You can make a few deposits. Number one, if you have had to move quickly, there's nothing wrong with bringing people together and apologizing for having to move quickly. Now, it doesn't mean that you're apologizing you moved quickly. You're apologizing for having to move quickly. There's a difference. And then you explain why you had to move. And then you explain, you know, here's why I had to move. I wish we had time for input and I apologize for not getting better input. So you, you sort of apologize, explain why, and you're not really making an excuse, but you will find people come up to you with the understanding and sort of get it. Yeah. There are some venting. I, I use different analogies. It's, it's like, you know, if you and I are, are in a situation, Janet, we're in a boat and there's a big hole that pops up I'm probably shoveling that water out. Yeah. I'm probably not going to sit down and say, let's huddle. We, we want to have a <laughs> huddle today. And let's talk about the diagnosis situation that there's a lot of water coming out of this boat. Um, and let's talk about who's going to do the bucket and who's not and how we're going to handle it. Because by the time we got done, the boat would be sunk. Right. And there's times <laughs> like that in education where you're so busy bailing the boat yeah. or like, like a storm is coming you know, a storm is coming, you're going to move quite quick. And we're in a storm. Yeah. You know, we're in an educational storm. So you're going to move as quickly as possible. Now, I think you can get a win though. And the win is, I think you get multiple wins. Apologize for having to move quick, explaining why you had to move quick. But then the third one, which I think is really cool, ask them to form a committee and you call it the Rapid Response Task Force. And that's where you bring some people in and you throw a case study at them and you say, here's the knowledge I had. Here's what was going on. Help me create a better way to do it. So in the future, we're better. Now, yeah. here's where you're going to get the win. They're either going to say, there is no better way. You did it exactly like you should have, but they can report that out. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to say, here are some things we can do differently next time. Yeah. So now you're going to win on process improvement. My whole goal is always to create an environment where you're going to be a win-win. So yeah. if you're a superintendent and you apologize, explain why you had to go fast, then most people will accept it because now they know a little bit more. But you have to explain why you wish, always, I wish I could have communicated more. I wish we could have done this. Here's the environment. However, I'm always looking to get better. So I want to get volunteers for volunteers for a rapid response task force that can look at this situation and come up with what we could have done better. But also there's going to be other situations that come. And yeah. so you're in a win-win because it's real easy to be a Monday morning quarterback when you're yeah. not there. So you, you got, got it. Put, you got to put people into that environment. So that's the recommendations I've been giving to you know, leaders in general in the last two months, because it's very common for people to, well, I didn't get enough input. I didn't do yeah. this. I didn't do that. 
So I want to wrap up today with the question that, again, I just, I'm, I'm popping these questions out because I'm kind of living some of, the, of these questions with leaders that I work with. I know, Quinn, as we've worked together and we've talked about this, sometimes when these types of situations occur where there are these external environment influencers who are making quick decisions, that 10%, some of those 10 percenters, those resistors, really become highly active right? Their voice gets stronger. So can we just kind of end today with, because you're so good at providing advice to this, how do we handle those 10 percenters who are just, you know, they're more active than ever? Well, well, first of all, I think anytime you get a situation like this, there's certain people that want a certain time to fail. They get their whole power by rallying the troops to go against where the organization is going. They're, They're the people that if God came and put heaven in the school district. They'd complain there's a gated community on the playground right now. So I, I think what you have to look at is what happens with this, we get so focused on that 10% or 20% or 30% yeah. that we don't realize that the energy we're spending on them should be spending on the other people. So what you do is you get so transparent with the other 80 or 90, invite them in, you take away their power. Because their power is in secrets. Their power is in whispering. Their power is, have you heard? Their power is in gossip. And what happens when you shine a light of day on it, the people scurry for the darkness again. And that's where they hang out, in the shadows of the darkness. So I'm a big believer, and I've seen this happen. We, we had a person that, um, because of his job um, in engineering, he sort of always knew what was going on you know, because blueprints, this, and then he'd run around telling people, hey, your classroom's being moved. This is what's happening in you. Hey, they're getting this. And we realized that. And, and we, we talked to him about it, but we did something else. We never, ever let him get information early. We actually always went out everywhere. So what, what takes these people away is transparency, open communication, and then explaining it because they lose credibility extremely quickly. And even though you wish they'd probably leave the school district, they'll at least go back into the um, covert operations versus overt operations. That's does that right. make sense, Jen? It does. It does. And, um, you know, just it, it, it's so important, so timely, just because I, I find working with leaders, we can have the conversation, but sometimes when we're working with colleagues who are trying to do the best that they can do, but are highly influenced by these um, resistors, they feel beaten down a little bit. You well, know, the, the resistors are smart. They're like that wound that knows the weak caribou. They go after the young that's speaker right. that's still influential, that, that, that they can influence. They go after this person. And um, it's just an example. I'll give you an example. Person goes into the teacher's lounge and she starts really upset because some decision was made that she doesn't like and positions the principal poorly. Well, the principal finds out and gets everyone together and says, I understand you have this conversation in the teacher's lounge. Let me just give you the facts and explain what's going on. This is a true story now. So what happened, all my stories are true. That's how you get authenticity. And you can't make some of this stuff up anyway. So, so what happens is the teacher loses all their power because now you've defined the decision-making and what went on behind it. So the teacher's furious that the principal embarrassed her in front of her peers. So she went to see the principal and said, 
you embarrassed me in front of my peers. And the principal said, if you started in the teacher's lounge, I'm going to end it in the teacher's lounge. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. you got to be gutsy and bold yeah. and lay it out there. Well, thank you for the conversation today about micromanaging and then uh, the external environment influencers and just trying to manage the people and leaders managing organizations in this tough time. Such a timely topic. And I can't think of anybody better than you, Quint, to really talk to this topic and help our help people who are out there really struggling with it right now. Well, I think 99% I think of the people are struggling with it because they did a good job. They didn't yeah. do a bad job. They did a good job. The people that aren't struggling with it are the ones that were let, didn't, weren't proactive, didn't yeah. push actions fast enough, and now they're playing catch up. So the ones that go early and go first are probably going to get complaints. You're moving too fast. We yeah. didn't get enough input. Yeah, but let me tell you, but we saved some things here. You yeah. Know, we saved the school district financially by this. We kept our kids healthier by doing this. And I love, I always like giving clear tactics, but it's okay to apologize because you're not apologizing you made a mistake. You're apologizing that you had to move this quickly and here's why. You tell them you wish you could have done this. So, could you do? You do. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't, you do. when the boat, who has, when the boat is sinking, wouldn't like to have a huddle, talk about who <laughs> does what, and things like that. But then you close with putting the ownership on them. Yeah. Okay, we're going to form a rapid response task force so we can create a standard outcome procedure when these things happen. And we'll use this one as a case study. I guarantee you they might have a few little corrections, but in general, they're going to now be much more supportive on why the decision was made. Great way to summarize today. Quint, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this session today. Uh, thank you. And I'm so looking forward to um, the journey to high performance, accelerating to high performance we're going to be doing. Yes. It, October 28th and 29th, we'll be there with you and can't wait for that either. So um, what, so we'll talk a little bit more with our, our listeners about how they can hook into that. So thank you so much. Thank you. The next time you hear someone talk about being micromanaged, what will your response be? How will you help your team know why you might be micromanaging them at first? And then how will you know when to let go? To learn more about micromanaging and other topics like this, join us at our October conference. And to learn more about all of our free upcoming uh, virtual events like Leader Roundtables, What's Right in Education, and our Destination High Performance Conferences, please visit us at studereducation.com events. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.